Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care, we'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. So, our buddy Zach McCrary, friend of the podcast. Yeah, comics that we love. Yeah, it's a great show. TFD Nerdcast. Yep. And Comics and Beer Podcast. Yeah, he's, you know, got a couple, I guess. Yeah, he's running a fucking <laughs> empire over there. So he's he sent us a text because a couple episodes back we started talking about Skrillex briefly. Okay. And, and yeah. we, we were like, what is Skrillex? Really, is it? It's industrial music, right? And that's what I thought anyway. Yeah, and I, I said it was EDM. Yeah, and evidently I was wrong. It was, I don't even remember what he said. It's dubstep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dubstep. Quote unquote dubstep, which I said EDM, which is just, that's my blanketed statement for any (laughs) music that gay DJs make. (laughs) So I was right. (laughs) I will admit my flaw and say that I was wrong. I guess industrial music is not the same. Uh, which it's not. It's not the same as dubstep. But uh, it brought me to an interesting thing, because after that, he had a, a comment in his text to us that said, I hate listening to my friends talk and me not being able to interject. Yeah, because he did text us. He was just, he just texted us, it's dubstep. Yeah. And then in a, <laughs> then the next message, Skrillex is dubstep. Yeah. And yeah. I was still kind of confused because I had forgot about the conversation. Yeah. So, so with that, um, Thor, could you talk to me about the Oxford comma? Who gives a fuck about an Oxford comma? Yeah, right. There's the Vampire Weekend song about it. dramas too. Yeah, but how do you feel They're about cool. the Oxford comma? What is an Oxford comma? That's what I would like us to um, to figure out, so that Zach screams internally as he listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> If I had to guess, Mm -hmm. and I will be guessing, you know, actually, no, I'm pretty sure. You're pretty sure. Okay. I'm pretty certain. I think it's just a regular comma, but it has a little bit of a flourish at the end. Oh, okay. So, because here's the thing, folks. I'm an art major. I'm no kind of major. (laughs) (laughs) Thor's been working his whole life, right? Doing an honest day's work. Thor doesn't have time to give a fuck about an Oxford comma. <laughs> and if it doesn't have to do with colors or brush strokes, then my knowledge is minimal. So, yeah, I think that um, an Oxford comma... So you're thinking it's a, a comma with a little flourish on it. Yeah, I'm 99% certain that's what it is. Okay, yeah, because there's this big debate on uh, with English majors on if the Oxford comma is either good or bad or if it's it should be used or it should not be used 
Um, and I'm I, trying... I say use it. Go wild. Yeah. Go crazy. Throw, throw all the Oxford commas Go crazy commas in with there. those Oxford commas. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly where the argument comes from. So I feel like the way that I talk. Do you think people think it's a little too hoity-toity? Maybe. Maybe get that's your, the issue. Get your Oxford commas out of my town, I'm... out of my country. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I'm pretty sure. And I'm just going to say that it is this. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's a remnant of the old ways that we used to write. Kind of like how you would put two spaces behind a period. Um, Are you not supposed to do that anymore? Not anymore. Ooh. Nope. Not anymore. When did they change that? I, I, I guess... Pluto's not a planet anymore. You, you don't two space your goddamn between your period and your sentence. Right. This world stinks. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done with it. <laughs> So, so I think that it's just an old timey thing that we uh, we just don't do anymore. But other English majors are like, no, we should totally do it because it's an important part of our history. Yeah, put that flourish on your comma. Yeah, put the flourish on your comma. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it is. I'm certain. <laughs> I started out. I'm pretty sure. To I'm very sure. To I'm certain. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if you put three commas in a row, the Oxford comma is the first one why would you put three commas in a row not like comma 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 chameleon you would, <laughs> you would do you know when you're listing things like i went to the store and i got eggs beets celery and gin i don't know what drink you make with so that. you flourish the first one yeah you flourish the first one <laughs> <laughs> to let to let them know you got more coming. That this comma is yeah, it's a, a little bit more educated than the rest of the commas that come to follow. Yeah, it's to prep the reader so that they know. Okay, we're about to list some things. I'm pretty sure that's what the Oxford comma is. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, yep, that's my thoughts. You can tell us about it later, Zach. <laughs> In the meantime, let's talk about Over the Garden Wall. I love Zach's in Vietnam now, too, though. <laughs> so, uh, like, currently, at this moment, Zach is on vacation in Vietnam. Yep. When he will be hearing this. And so even if he does message us oh, about he's, it. He's not going to be able to message us about it. No, he's not going to be able to message us. But if he does try, Zach, if you try to talk to us about it, you're just going to get radio silence. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Reds, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident Dum Dum Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host. He's hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holla at me. It's Micah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what I just realized hmm. is I kind of just called you a scrub. You did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what you called me. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't want no scrubs. <laughs> I mean, you, you're probably I, not wrong. Honestly, this is get it gets harder every time. I've really painted myself into a corner <laughs> with <laughs> we're, the intros. We're trying to do creative intros because I'm running out of ideas, folks. <laughs> 
I'm enjoying them. And and genuinely, sometimes I think to myself, I'll think of one and I'll be like, oh, that's a great idea. And then I'll be like, wait, I'm pretty sure I've done that before. And I honestly don't know. So there are some <laughs> that may never get done simply because I think I've already done them. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate them. I think that they are... <laughs> They are fun to uh, to throw into this. It's it's good times for me. Um, so we are today going to be getting into a little show called Over the Garden Wall. So this um, this was a TV series. It was a mini series, the first one done ever at Cartoon Network or on Cartoon Network. The writer slash director of this, his name was Patrick McHale. And he did a lot of stuff with Adventure Time. I think that he was the creative director in Adventure Time. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And so he pitched this idea to them and uh, made this story about two, their half-brothers, and they get stuck in the woods traveling on their way home. And then they come across a whole assortment of weird kind of fantastic almost eerie but still somehow kind of wholesome and and endearing characters and scenarios they come across some things and we'll get into like the antagonist and a little bit more into the plot um as we talk about this it's it's a solid solid show in my opinion and it um i can really really appreciate something that's finite knows its length sticks to that length and is done and complete so, anyway, with that being said, uh, Thor, what are your initial thoughts on Over the Garden Wall? As soon as this show started, I was like, I get why Micah was interested in this. Yeah? The first thing I think that really grabs me is the art. Oh, yeah. And just kind of the whole vibe of it. It has this vibe of, like, it feels like a cartoon from the 50s or 60s it felt like watching snow white or sleeping beauty that classic animation from the 50s and 60s when it was still you know primarily done by hand mm -hmm. the music the actual art itself and it obviously is kind of a new modern twist mm -hmm. on that art style but it's clearly paying homage to that classic cartoon storytelling that's yeah. the first thing that grabbed me right out of the gate. Yeah. And you weren't kidding. This story is interesting in the way that it kind of blends this very heavy, dark subject matter. But it does it in a way that's not overly adult. Yeah. It, I feel like this is something that could be enjoyed by people of most ages. Yeah, I would I, say so. I think a kid, honestly, would probably be need to be at least a little bit older to really even grasp what was going on. And there are some parts that I think, like, a younger kid would probably be kind of spooked by. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but for the most part, I feel like this is entertainment for people of all ages. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched this as an adult. In fact, I first stumbled upon this like a year ago and it took me a little bit longer to watch than I would have cared to admit. Cause I really, really enjoyed it. I just, uh, 
for some reason I dropped off of it like twice. I would watch three episodes and then I would quit watching it for a month and then I'd go, Oh, I should watch that again. Cause I really liked it. And then yeah. I'd watch those three episodes again and then I'd get to like episode six and then I'd stop and I had that repeat thing. So it, it took me a little bit of time to get through it. Not because I didn't like it. Um, because I actually really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, in part because it has that weird mixture of, uh, kind of silliness and lightheartedness that you would find in a kid's show, but there's some definite adult content in here. Um, yeah, I'm adult unsu- themes, I should say. Yeah, for sure. I'm unsurprised to find out that was actually one of my questions coming into this is did anybody from adventure time have anything to do with this? Oh yeah. Because it, it reminded me a lot of adventure time as far as narratively and the situations they found themselves in and the dialogue it because adventure time i think is a adventure time is a incredible show that is another one that i feel like is fun for kids but also there's like this as that show grew yeah as that show it's kind of similar to like what harry potter did right that show kind of grew with its audience whereas the first seasons are just very episodic, silly, fun adventure cartoons. And then the later seasons of that show have a pretty like rich storyline. Yeah. It's very unique and interesting. And and the show is very funny. So I got a lot of adventure time vibes from this. Okay. It's much more somber. Yeah. For sure. It, it's much darker. Yeah. So um so this follows the story of two brothers. They're half brothers, technically. Um, but it's character named Wirt, who is the older brother, and Gregory, who is his little brother. And Gregory is the kid who won't shut the hell up. Full on ADD. Yeah, he's just got so <laughs> many things to say. He's just, um, he's always in a good mood. He's never really paying attention to what's happening around them. He's just like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. Oh, let's talk about this. Oh, let's sing this weird song. Uh, he's kind of getting into all sorts of stuff. Very carefree, not a care in the world. Uh, the inverse, his brother, Wirt, who's his older brother, is the exact opposite. He's like really, uh, really worried about a lot of things. Of course, it's on him, really, to get the, get the two of them back home because Gregory's not doing this. Um, and there's, it seems like there's a pretty significant age difference between them. I don't know if it ever comes out and says what their ages are, but I get like early teenager vibes from Wirt and I get like seven year old vibes from Gregory. Yeah, that feels about right. Probably four if I had to guess I would say fourteen and seven. Yeah, some something like that. So there's there's a little bit of a gap there. So it's it's weird because it does have an older vibe to it and and you don't the, the story starts and you don't even know how they got into the woods. Like when the story starts they're just in the woods. And they're lost, and they're like, crap, how do we get home? Like they, I think that they realize that they're lost in the first episode, but it never tells you. Yeah, they're just walking through the woods, and then they realize, like, oh, we're lost. Yeah. So it starts out in this first episode. They find this kind of weird, eerie, creepy woodsman who uh, seems like he's an antagonist or he's coming after him. He's got this old oil lamp, and he's got an axe, and he sounds real scary. Um, he, You know who he's played by? Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. I spotted it immediately. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, this actually has a pretty solid cast. Um, 
John Cleese plays a couple of character or plays a character. Mm-hmm. Elijah Wood plays Wirt, who's yeah. the main character. Yeah, and uh, Tim Curry even even has a an appearance in this. So he plays a character named Auntie Whispers. Oh, okay. Yeah, Auntie Whispers was a very cool character. Yeah, yeah. So that that whole episode is very cool. Yeah. So uh, so the first episode is is basically introducing the two characters, and then this woodsman is kind of a reoccurring character here and there. Um, and then there's another character called the Beast, and you find out that the woodsman he's like beware the Beast, um, but you never really see the Beast. Yeah, it's basically like a shadow demon. Yeah. So, episodically, every episode they've got these kind of weird scenarios that they come across, and it's always a little bit macabre every single time, but there's like a cute side to it all. They, they, most of the episodes do this very fun thing where it leads you down this path where you think you realize what's going on. You're like, oh, here's this dark thing that's happening, mm-hmm. and then they turn it on you. Almost every episode, it's, I mean, I think you could criticize and say it's a bit formulaic, but yeah, but I really enjoyed that because every single time, like after a couple episodes, you start to realize that, yeah, I know it's not what I think it's going to be, but it, it's just very fun. They kind of lead you down this path of, or even lead work down this path where he thinks, oh, this is going to be the bad guy. And then turn, that's actually the good guy. Or we think this is about to happen, and then it's actually a totally different thing they never expected would happen. Yeah. So it's all these stories that you think they, yeah, once again, they seem very macabre. They seem very dark. And then they have this twist where it's like, no, actually, you were just reading into it as dark, where it's actually (laughs) not dark at all. Yeah. Yeah. Were, Were there any episodes that jumped out to you? The one you just talked about. Yeah. Uh what was the name again? It was Auntie Whispers. Auntie Whispers. Yeah. So they find their way to this cabin, and there's this girl who's essentially like, Auntie Whispers doesn't let me leave the leave the cabin. And Auntie Whispers is like, seems crazy. Like yeah. that she's essentially kept this girl trapped, and she has this little bell that she rings that makes her essentially do what she wants. It's mm-hmm. This little bell, and she rings it, and she says... I'll sweep the floors. And then this girl will sweep the floors and she wants to escape and she wants to get out and, and work kind of starts to develop a little bit of a crush on her. Yeah. And the whole time you're thinking this auntie whispers lady is keeping her locked in. Cause she wants to like eat her soul or something. Yeah. And then that turn is that the reason auntie whispers is keeping her contained with this bell is because the actual evil is within the young girl. Yeah. So Auntie Whispers was actually trying to protect the boys. Yeah, and Auntie Whispers does not look like a normal person. She's she's like a really um, caricature almost sized, very very large person, like like giant almost. Yeah, and she looks. She's dressed essentially like a nun. Yeah, and so she's got these huge giant eyes and this really, like, uh, hooked nose. Big, grotesque nose. Yeah, yeah. So they definitely put her to be visually, like, the villain of of it. Yeah. Also, the second episode, where they go to this town, and they're like, oh, this town will be, this town, we're trying to find civilization, civilization. somebody in this town will help us. 
and it's all these people wearing pumpkins on their heads yeah and dancing and then they stepped on some of the pumpkins so then they turn they turn on the boys and they're like we sentence you to do manual labor for us for a couple hours and then they start making them dig holes they're like, yeah, these holes are kind of the size of a body. And then they hit skeletons. Oh, my gosh. We're digging our own graves. Yeah. And, but the turn in that one is that all these skeletons are, or all these pumpkin-headed people are actually skeletons. They're dead people that are coming back, have came back to life. Yeah. And they're about to have a festival. So they wanted them to dig up some of their friends who were also. Yeah. Dead. So, th- so that they could have a bigger festival, basically. And they were totally going to let them go. Cause, but the boys, they're thinking, oh, they're never going to let us go. They're going to kill us. Mm-hmm. They're some weird cult. And yeah. that, the whole story is leading you to believe that. But yeah. then, nope, turns out they're just some happy skeletons who wanted to dig up their friends. <laughs> yeah, I think that that episode really stuck out to me. Um, I really enjoyed that one because the guy who is giving the sentencing, like saying that they have to do manual labor, he's like this giant figure. Again, he's like a larger-than-life character with this giant pumpkin head, and he's got this super deep voice. And he's like real menacing sounding. And I'm pretty sure you find out at the very end of the show— that one actually wasn't a skeleton. That was a cat. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, when they're doing the wrap-up, showing everybody, Oh, yeah. Like, where the, you know, how their story turned out. Yeah. He takes the pumpkin off his head, and it's like a little kitty. <laughs> so, so did you... I almost uh, sent you a text when I, um, when, I, when I knew you were watching it, and I was going to say, you should have Kendra watch this with you. Yeah, she watched it with Okay, I, what did she think of it? She enjoyed it as well. And I agree. I think we should have watched it in two sessions. Yeah. We didn't look how many episodes it was. Okay. So we watched we watched all of them in a row. Oh, just in a row? Yeah. So we, about two hours. Yeah. That, that is about how long it took because it's 10 episodes. Each one's 12 minutes long. Okay. It took maybe two, two and a half hours. She enjoyed it, but I think we both would have enjoyed it more had we taken a break yeah in the middle of it i I think binging all of them at once was probably not correct okay um but once again i just didn't know how many episodes it was i just let them keep playing sure so why do why do you think that binging them all together was is not the way because interestingly enough i couldn't do that either i think it's very the show is very slow okay and the the narrative kind of unfolds as you go through yeah. And even though I think it is a great story and I think it's very fun, it is still a cartoon. <laughs> okay. And it is still a show kind of geared towards kids, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think the target demographic is men in their 30s. No, probably not. Probably not. So even though I enjoyed it, I don't think there was enough. It wasn't funny enough that I could just binge it. Sure. And there wasn't enough in-depth narrative that I okay. could binge it. So not – because I think it was very good, mm-hmm. but I just think watching the whole thing at once doesn't lend itself to binging at all. Yeah. What did you uh, What did you think of the music? Because it's got this old piano, somber, like deep voice singer uh, for the intro. And the intro is actually called Into the Unknown, which is 
essentially the place that they're in through the majority of the show the the woods and the and the cabin like the cabins that they go to all the settings um is kind of dubbed the unknown oh my god i love the music because once again this is it feels very intentional i'm sure it was it feels very reminiscent of classic animation from the 50s and 60s yeah where it's you ain't finding no guitars in here you ain't hearing no synthesizers not at all it's keyboards or uh, it's like a piano or Mm -hmm. an organ and violin and classic orchestration i loved it it set the mood so well it's very creepy it's one of those things where i think great tension can be built with music yeah absolutely and so the music is a big part of what i enjoyed about this yeah yeah and it's kind of I, I really enjoyed the thing. You can actually listen to the whole soundtrack on YouTube, and it's like an hour long. I think it's 52 minutes for the soundtrack. This pretty solid. I'd take a, I'd take a listen to it. Um, Maybe if I'm going to cut myself in a bathtub or something. <laughs> gee, I don't think I would want to just listen to the music. It's very sad. Oh, uh, it's, it's sad, but it's also <laughs> kind of like beautiful. At, see, this show did a really cool thing where every episode that I watched, I'm like, this is a little um, eerie. But at the same time, there's something heartwarming about every episode. For sure, yeah. It kind of mixes those two emotions in a really well done way. And I think that the music has a lot to do with it. Yeah, because a lot of the narrative really is these two brothers building their relationship. Yeah, because they're not on great terms. Yeah, because they're half-brothers. And Wirt makes it known, and you don't exactly know how they got here exactly till probably close to the end like i think episode nine of ten or something Mm -hmm. yep but essentially what you do know is wirt's mom left his dad married a different guy and that guy is gregory's dad yeah and so wirt probably kind of feels like he's getting left behind a little bit and now i got this annoying little brother and he's only half my brother so a lot of the tension comes there's not tension between them because Gregory doesn't even recognize any tension between them. <laughs> yeah. So, but a lot of the show is work dealing with his emotions. Mm-hmm. So that's where it becomes heartwarming because he has to rely on his brother and he has to help him. He realizes how much he cares about him as he's trying to, you know, keep him safe in these woods and these weird places. And all that is done through this, weird eerie imagery and situations they find themselves in yeah and and again greg is just oblivious to a lot of it he he sees these characters and he just immediately befriends any character like he found a a toad in the first episode and through the entire series he's trying to name the toad and he just keeps giving it different (laughs) names he gives them different names Uh, he calls him george washington ben franklin yeah he names him wirt at one point Mm mm-hmm Frank Finkelstein or whatever that kid's name was. Yeah, so here here's a list. Uh, all of the names that he names his frog are Kitty, Wirt, Wirt Jr., George Washington, Mr. President, Benjamin Franklin, Dr. Cucumber, Greg, uh, Jr., Skipper, Ronald, and Jason Funderburger. <laughs> Jason Funderburger. <laughs> yeah, so just crazy silly names. 
And of course, Wirt doesn't really care about like, any of it. Yeah, he's like, we need to get home. Stop. I don't yeah. care about this dumb frog. Yeah. There's So there's another character, too, that we haven't discussed yet, and that is the bluebird, Beatrice. Oh, my God. I love Beatrice so much. It's yeah? such a unique story. It's such a unique character. Yeah, so she is legitimately a bluebird, and I think that she stumbles upon them in the second episode. Or is she the it, first? I think is she, she in the first episode? The first one. Perhaps the second, but in any case, for certain, she's in the second episode. Yeah, and her initial arc is that she's trying to find somebody named Adelaide, and the brothers decide to join her because they think that Adelaide can figure out or get her, get them out of the woods. And that's the whole crux of all of this, right? Is they're trying to get home. Yeah. And Greg saved her. She was like stuck in a bush. Yeah. So then she feels, so she's like, it's bluebird code. You saved me. So I got to help you. You <laughs> I, did me a favor. I got to do you. A I favor. give you one favor. Yeah. And so they ask, get us to Adelaide so she can get us home. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And she kind of plays that grumpy character who's kind of begrudgingly helping these kids. Yeah. Because she's bound by bluebird honor. <laughs> but as her story unfolds, it's so neat because you end up finding out that she's actually trying to deliver them to Adelaide. Yeah. Yep. Because Adelaide wants to like eat their souls. Mm-hmm. Yep. Actually, there's a lot of soul eating going on. In there this is show. a lot of soul eating in this show. Um, because she's a bluebird, but she used to be a human. That's why she can talk. Yeah, but she's been cursed. Because she threw a rock at a bluebird. <laughs> so a witch turned her her and her whole family into bluebirds. Yep. So that does put some a rift, some tension between the two of them. Eventually they do make up and Adelaide sticks around and she's in the yeah. story for the majority of Yeah, because of she's it. begrudgingly, you mean uh, Beatrice. I'm sorry, yeah, Beatrice, yeah. not Adelaide. Because she's begrudgingly helping them. But then on the way to Adelaide, she actually grows affection for them. So when they actually finally do get to Adelaide, yeah. she's like, I've changed my mind. Take me instead of the boys. Yeah. But they walk in and find out that Adelaide wanted to kill them. And they're like, Beatrice, you brought us here this whole time and lied to us. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they, there's a rift and they get separated for a period of time. Yeah. Um. So let's go back to the woodsman and the beast, because this ends up being the primary arc yes. through the whole thing. And you kind of see the woodsman here and there. And like, he's not in every single episode, but he kind of shows up. And he is tending to the the forest, the unknown, the woods. And he's always warning them, like, you need to stay away from the beast. Beware the beast! Um, and it's not until like the the eighth episode or so that you really have the climax of what's going on here and you find out and this is one of those things where the content becomes much more adult yeah and and you find out that the woodsman all right who has been lighting this lamp he's been trying to warn them to stay away from the beast because his job as the woodsman he's actually the lantern um bearer that's what the beast has dubbed him because there are these specific trees that grow in the woods and he has to chop down the trees to make oil to feed the lantern because his daughter's soul is stuck in the lantern. And feeding the lantern is the only way to keep his daughter alive. And that's the bargain that he made with the beast. 
So he's trying to keep the kids away because the beast, like, uh, I guess, feeds off of that type of energy. The only way these special trees grow is from lost people in the forest, lost children in the forest. He essentially takes their soul and turns them into a tree. Yep. He's a pretty cool guy. (laughs) (laughs) He's a cool guy. Yep. Just just uh turning kids into know, trees just your average shadow demon stealing children's <laughs> souls and he is very much a shadow demon he doesn't really have a face except for two glowing eyes he is essentially a silhouette and uh, that big but, toothy snarly grin yeah um and so he he kind of shows up but it's always like a ah oh, it's the beast and then they run away uh up until we get to i think it's episode 8 and Seven or eight, yeah. something like that, and that's that's kind of where all of this comes to a climax, and uh, it happens because Greg finally loses that charm that he's had through everything because Wirt, the older brother, is just so down in the dumps on himself through the entire series. He is really self conscious. He talks about how his friends don't like him. There's this girl who he really likes, but she doesn't like him at all. And that's just kind of going on what happens in their home life. But then there are things that happen episode by episode where he feels like he's not enough or he's he's doing things wrong. He's very self-reflective in a very like self-condescending yeah. way. And Beatrice kind of pokes at him and tells him, you're a pushover. Mm-hmm. You, you won't stand up for yourself. So, yeah, he's very down on himself, and eventually it's, I guess they fall into a river or something, but he ends up very cold. Like, the wind is blowing, and he, like, covers him up with leaves, but he's still just shivering, and and at this point, Gregory gets self-reflective and realizes, man, I've done it, I messed up again, he, I keep, every time he tells me to stop running off and to pay more attention, and I I keep I don't do it and I keep messing up. So then Gregory goes off to try and find Beatrice. Or I, I can't remember exactly. I've only seen it once. So yeah, he, he goes run, off on his own. He goes off on his own, and then Wirt wakes up and it's like, oh god, where is Gregory? Yeah. So he he ends up finding Gregory, and he is being turned into one of these trees. It's kind of mid process. He's he's kind of like being held up by roots that are wrapping around him. And then, of course, the, the woodsman shows up, the lantern bearer, and the beast shows up. And that's when you find out about the woodsman's daughter. And then the beast says, you know, I can save your brother. We can put his soul in this lantern, and you can be the new lantern bearer. And then he'd basically be taking on the role that the woodsman has had this entire time. And to save his brother, Wirt initially agrees. He's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then he uh, takes a couple of steps towards the beast and he goes, wait, no, that's stupid. This (laughs) is stupid. (laughs) Verbatim, that's what he says. He's like, this is stupid. And Wirt kind of figures out, he's like, it's almost like you want this lantern to be lit and you want a caretaker over it. Almost like your soul is attached to the lantern and not... Uh, you know, this guy's daughter. And so he goes to blow it out, and the beast, of course, freaks out. That turns out to be the case where his daughter, the woodsman's daughter, has never had her soul inside that lantern. 
And the no. woodsman has just been feeding the beast and keeping him alive this whole time. Super dark. Yeah. Super dark. Also, how dumb does that woodsman have to feel? I mean, like this fucking 13-year-old kid figured this out. <laughs> I've, been, I've been harvesting the souls of children for years. Yeah, he, <laughs> he takes it pretty hard yeah. <laughs> once he realizes what's been happening. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the conclusion. But yeah, that's basically the arc is they walk through the forest, getting into all these misadventures, trying to avoid the beast and mm-hmm. ultimately defeat him. I love each episode is much like Curb Your Enthusiasm. You don't have to, I don't think you have to watch this. I think you could just watch an episode or two. Sure. And, yeah. And be happy with them because they are all just fun, self-contained adventures. Mm-hmm. Short of probably the last three episodes yeah. are heavily narrative driven as far as the overarching plot Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed the i believe it's the ninth episode because that's the one where you actually get to see how they ended up in the woods yeah and they drop a little a lot of little hints leading up to this Mm -hmm. because just the way Wirt talks and the things he says it leads you to believe that like i think they may be from our reality yeah, they definitely I, stand out in the world that they're yeah, in. Because they almost look like, in the beginning, you could believe that they are just from this world. Yeah, they're kind of dressed goofy. Yeah, it's some pre-industrial world that they live in, some fantasy world. Yeah, I mean, Gregory, we haven't said anything about their attire but yet, but Gregory has a freaking teapot on his head yep. upside down. Is mm-hmm. it a teapot? Yeah, yeah. Gregory's just walking around, teapot on top of his head. Yeah. And... Wirt, he's wearing, like, a wizard's cap and, like, a cloak. Yeah. So you're just like, okay, I guess they're just from this fantasy world that they're living in. They've gotten lost in the woods. But then they keep saying things that lead you to believe, like, there's something more going on here. Yeah. And then finally, in, like, the ninth episode, you realize, no, they're from our world. Probably, like, the 1980s. Maybe. Um, because he's given like a tape. He's, he's given, given a cassette, like a cassette tape. tape. So like the 80s or 90s. Yeah. So Maybe. he he's got this um, crush and he makes a mixtape for her, basically. Yeah. Uh, but he hadn't had the chance to give it to yeah. her. Well, but no, it's no, not no. a mixtape. It's a recording of him playing the clarinet and oh, yeah. reciting poems. That's right. He's a real fucking dork. <laughs> And then he gets embarrassed, and he, he doesn't want her to listen to it. Yeah, he, that was the right call. You shouldn't you should have let her listen to that. Yeah. And, of course, Greg Gregory is doing Gregory things. So it turns out that they're, they're dressed funny because it's Halloween. Yeah. It's just Halloween. And the reason that Gregory's got a teapot on his head upside down, and when it's a teapot, I mean, like, it's an old metal teapot. Yeah. Right, it's not like a a real fancy one or anything like that. It's an old metal. It's his elephant outfit because the teapot, uh, the the stout of the teapot is supposed to be the elephant trunk, and that's his whole outfit. He's just put a teapot on his head to be an elephant. I forget what Wirt's outfit was supposed to I be. I think he was just supposed to look like a wizard or yeah, something. Yeah, and then they end up. Um, Gregory ends up almost getting run over by a train. Because he's just doing Gregory things, not paying attention to anything. Wirt saves him and they jump in. He basically pushes him slash they jump into a uh, either a river or a pond, a large body of water. And they sink in and then they wake up in the forest. Yeah. 
So I really liked how they did that. Yeah. I liked that they just dropped little breadcrumbs for you. And it was real minor stuff that if you weren't paying attention, you would have fully missed. These just clues that, like, they're not really from. Yeah. And they're things that you don't even know to pay attention to. Exactly. Like your first time through. Yeah. How did you feel about that episode? Because to me, so your, your brain kind of says, okay, this is the setting of the world. They're in a weird outfit. But I was like, everything's weird. Like they're talking animals. So it's just a weird show. And then when we get to that episode where it's the real world and everything is normal, quote unquote, to me, that episode felt weird because the rest of the show. Yeah. I, I love that episode. I loved how wait how late they waited to reveal that. Yeah. Because I liked the mystery. Like I had already, I was already convinced that that is what was going on. That they weren't from this place. Okay. Not only were they trying to go home, but their home was like not wherever the hell this world is. Yeah. I was already convinced of that. Okay. But once again, I liked that they just kept giving you just little, just little breadcrumbs of, it could be a normal world. Like, where exactly is it? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good one. And you got to see that Wirt's friends really aren't they really bad like friends. Him. Yeah, they yeah, really, they like, really him. like him. He has no reason to have all this, like, social anxiety that he has. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that was fun, too, because he had a really supportive, fun group of friends. And the girl that he had a crush on really liked him. Mm-hmm. And this guy, uh, what's the name again of the guy he thought was going to oh, take his take girl, his girl. Uh, I forget his name. Marty Funkhauser. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you end up realizing that guy, he's like, that guy has it all. He has it all together. And he's explaining him, and you're like, oh, it's going to be this super cool guy. And it's just a guy who's a bigger dork than him, who his this girl he has a crush on has no interest in. Yeah. Like, that's such a neat... I thought that was such a neat way to tell that because it really highlighted these insecurities that we all have and we all walk around with mm-hmm. of how do people perceive me or I'm, I'm so imba- all these things about me are so embarrassing and nobody like, you know, why, why do people really like me? Just the insecurities that people I think deal with regularly and it's never as bad as you think. Yeah, people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. That was very unexpected. As far as that episode goes, that was probably the most. That was the real twist of that one. Yeah, is where you think he's this dork with no friends, and it's like, no, he has a real great group of friends who are excited to see him. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> all his all his anxiety is just him. Yeah, this so this show was actually um, won a fair amount of awards too. It won a Primetime Emmy Award. Um, it was a nominee for one of the Annie Awards. It was a voice. There was a voice actor award that it won. It won a bunch of awards, like four or five, um, surprisingly. And it came out in 2014. That's how old this is. Okay. I've so, never even, I've never heard of this. I've never seen art for it. I Completely blind coming yeah. into this. Good, good. That's what I was hoping. That's honestly what I was hoping. Yeah, it's it's a real gem. I think it's a for probably for me it was a hidden gem because I found this and I'm like, absolutely, this yeah. is super cool, uh, you know. And I hadn't heard anything about. And it. And I really like that it's only ten episodes. Yeah, it, it is a nice watch. I do think break it up, mm-hmm. but overall it's a nice little 
complete story. Can I tell you my favorite line in that whole show? Oh, yeah. Okay, so in one episode, they essentially steal a horse from this bar. That's right. Yeah. Do you remember the horse's name? I don't remember the horse's name. I can't, but it's a talking horse. Yep. And so in the next episode, they end up at this rich guy's mansion, and he's, like, kind of going crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And they're still trying to get to Adelaide at this point. So Greg kind of leads the guy off, and... Beatrice is talking to work. He's like, why do you have us here with this crazy old man? And why do you let him think that we're his nephews? And she's like, because we need money to cross the river to get to Adelaide. He's like, oh, so you want to just ask him for money? And she's like, no, we're going to steal it. He's like, whoa, I'm not cool with that. Yeah. And she goes, well, the horse will help us. And he goes, hey, he's a talking horse. He's a person, as far as I'm concerned. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to help us rob this old guy. And the horse just looks at him and goes, I want to steal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the horse's name was Fred. Yeah. Yep, Fred the horse. He was a great character. He was only in like two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, he he was was great. He was a great character. I think all the characters were very quirky and fun. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of kooky characters that show up for like an episode or two. And I'd have loved to see a lot of them hang around longer. For sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm pretty happy that uh that we got to see them just in the first place. They're just fun stuff. So there's a lot of speculation about the area that they're in, this world that they're in, these woods. Evidently there's a lot of speculation that they actually were in a purgatory type state. Because the last episode, they wake up and they take Greg and work to the hospital from getting out of that water. Yeah. And so there's a lot of speculation from the viewers that this place that they were in was like a a near-death experience, purgatory experience. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Considering the whole bit with like everything about the show is about souls Mm -hmm. and about eating souls or capturing souls. There's a lot of soul talk in this. There there is a lot of soul talk. That would make a lot of sense. I'd be, yeah, I thought that it was kind of a neat, um, a a neat idea. There was also a lot of comparison to this being kind of a retelling of Dante's Inferno, like going into the seven layers of hell, the seven depths of hell. Um, that one I wasn't quite as keen on. I kind of liked the purgatory idea. Yeah. Well, and I mean, perhaps if I knew more about those stories, because I'm familiar with the concept, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you in depth anything about it at all. Sure. So perhaps they did use, created essentially analogs for the stories of that. I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. The, the last, um... The only thing that I really know about Dante's Inferno, and this is going to be horrible. Zach, let me know what you think about this. Uh, the only thing that I know about Dante's Inferno is that they made a God of War ripoff video game called Dante's Inferno with the story of Dante's Inferno. But it basically was just God of War mechanics, like old God of War mechanics, where it was still a, a big hack and slash run around type of thing. Okay. That's it. And the game was solid, but just a dante it was just a god of war clone okay that's it that's all i know about it and i'm sure that that was 100 percent accurate because he used a scythe and nobody would lie about that like dante used a scythe to go into the depths of hell and 
Oh, yeah. And win his love back. That's what I've always assumed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's how the story is in the actual thing. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'm almost certain about that. Me too, man. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It's a Uh, lot of Oxford commas in that. So many. (laughs) So many Oxford commas. Uh, So, um, what do you think? Kind of final parting thoughts on this. Um, Where are we Very good. Yeah? I wasn't sure if you were going to enjoy it or not. Um, I thought that you would probably enjoy the the slight dip into a deeper narrative but it it never really like never really overwhelms you with this dark depressing feeling yeah yeah it's that nice balance of dark and silly it's a real nice counterbalance there um i think elijah wood is incredible always um even as just a voice actor i mean i think he brought a lot of heart and depth to that character all the all the voice acting i liked beatrice a lot mm-hmm. uh, greg is very he's just very funny yeah the whole time all, all the all the voice acting is really solid i don't know how many times i don't know if this is like a rewatch yeah or or if it is certainly not often but aside from that i mean not really nothing Nothing stands out as negative other than it is a little bit slow. Yeah. And it is a little bit, yeah, maybe just slow. It's a little bit slow, not bingeable. Sure. But um, that's okay, too. I don't think everything needs to be bingeable. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, some interesting things about the author, or the writer, I guess. I don't know why I said author. The writer, uh, he, he put it taking place in the fall because he felt like fall has that mixture of things are starting to get cold so you start to have uh kind of warm cozy fireside scenarios you start to wear sweaters and cardigans and you kind of bundle up and you've got that kind of uh homey feeling that fall that comes with fall right but then along with fall is like halloween and you start to get that dark macabre kind of sense and setting along with the kind of warmth that comes with with the season that's neat i mean it definitely has that vibe this show feels like fall yeah for sure yeah Uh, another thing that he said he was inspired by old uh like antique shops or or places where you would get old um postcards and then he kind of equated it as well to old books where where the paint or the ink left an imprint on on the material that it was done so in old books where the letters are actually pressed into the uh into the pages you're seeing the work and kind of the memory of whoever was making those things and it's kind of a remnant of the craft that isn't really found in today's world sure because everything is so industrialized and it's a little bit of history that's kind of attached to those things because they were either hand-pressed or hand-painted, uh, or you could feel the ink on top of the postcard, that type of stuff. So he wanted to take that feeling of old-timiness and kind of, um, again, kind of like this, this sense of this sense of authenticity that kind of comes with, with a memory. Yeah, I think it certainly 
did that for me anyway because right away i felt those vibes yeah like oh this is like an homage to a different time yeah that kind of like whimsical feeling you get thinking about snow white or sleeping beauty or uh the jungle book even yeah it just that old that just a different time in in culture and animation yeah i think on all points it it hit you could really feel you could really feel those vibes cool so so with that being said do we have do we have a rating for this one if we if we wanted to rate it um one out of ten one out of ten names that you could name a frog i think i'm gonna go eight okay names it's not too bad that you could name a frog Uh, (laughs) because i really did i really did enjoy it my only complaints is it's slow yeah and it's it is certainly geared towards it's geared it's meant to be consumable by children yeah so i think there is definitely if it was made more targeted for adults you could make the episodes half hour and you could probably dive a little bit more into character development and story wise, but I'm not holding, I'm not really holding that against them. You know, it is what it is, but overall I enjoyed. Okay. I don't think I'll be watching it again anytime soon. Not because I didn't enjoy it. I just, I don't, I don't think it's something that you got to be in the mood to watch this. I think for sure. yeah. 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 I was reading online that a lot of people will watch this once a year around Halloween time or around the fall. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to watch it because I watched it on Hulu. Okay. I would like to watch just a full hour long or two hour long cut of it. Oh, just like all together. Well, yeah, without, without the, the, I mean, it's not a huge amount of time between, but it really takes you out of it. And then sure. So eight out of 10 names for frogs. That's not too bad. I don't yeah, think. No, no uh, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a good one. Well, good, 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 good. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, man. I wanted to, I really wanted to find something that you had no idea no idea what was what we were getting into so um what do you guys think have you seen over the garden wall is it a hidden gem i feel like it's a hidden gem but i'm 34 years old and maybe if you're 10 years younger than me or 20 years younger than me um or 10 years older than me you already know about it so is this a hidden gem did you watch it do you like it you should let us know uh specifically i'm looking at you mr louisville kentucky or miss louisville kentucky i think i see you it's louisville i think that's how they pronounce it louisville no 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 No, because my old stopping grounds are in evansville indiana (laughs) i'm not too far away from that place so i see you in kentucky uh get at us send us an email uh message us on instagram find us on facebook what's our email again thor it's getrectpod at gmail.com that's g-i-t-r-e-c-d-p-o-d at gmail yeah it's uh it's a good thing that thor does that i always <laughs> spell it wrong <laughs> so yeah let us know what you thought about over the garden wall i thought it was a gem so yeah, definitely a hidden gem for sure this yeah. is very cool uh with that thor what's uh what's next on the docket for the oh, get wrecked crew boy. what are we getting into oh, next boy. week i got i think i got one for you okay i know that you do not know about david bowie at all you are correct. <laughs> Which is kind of insane to me, even because I would even accept you being like, I hate, I hate Bowie. 
I'd be I, like, I, 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 you know what I mean? I'd be like, I get it. I don't, I don't agree. But is that because, where we're going here? Thor? Some people just don't, lo- some people don't just don't love Bowie. I mean, yeah. he's one of the most successful musical artists of the 20th century. How does his music compare to the song that he sang in the labyrinth? As off the Goblin King. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. So okay. that's really all you know of Bowie is like. I Latin. know that he was and, the Goblin King. And you King. know, probably uh, We Can Be Heroes, that song. Probably. That's Bowie and Queen. Okay. We Can Be Heroes. I don't particularly they care rah, for that song. Rah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that was from like the 80s. Bowie made tons of music. He made albums from the early 60s till when he died in. It was that early two thousand tens, wasn't it? Yeah, or... I believe probably like twenty seventeen. Okay. I think I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll probably have that date for sure when we uh, record the next episode. But yeah, he never stopped making music. Okay, and he changed styles. He's got a moniker he, of Ziggy Stardust, right? He changed styles of music. He changed his style physically, his appearance. I mean, he has run the gamut of music. For me personally, there is one album that I love. Okay. It's an album that changed music in many ways. And yes, it's Ziggy Stardust. Oh, okay. The, the album is Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. And <laughs> Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Yes. Okay. So That's the name of the album? Yes, that's the name of the album. So was Ziggy Stardust a name that he took on, or was that just the name of the album? That, that's the name of the album. It's kind of kind of a concept album. And it was kind of this like moniker okay. of of the main character of the story. And he kind of Yeah, it was kind of like a a character that he embodied. Okay. He never actually went by Ziggy Stardust. Okay. Because like the only thing that I know about the Ziggy Stardust, I I thought that it was maybe a name that he went by for a while. Because in Family Guy, there's this episode where Trisha Takanawa, which is the funniest fucking name for a reporter who also happens to be Asian. It took me like three years to get that joke. Uh, just for the fact that her name was Trisha Takanawa. Um, <laughs> it took me way too long to get that. <laughs> but there's a part where I think it was like the first Family Guy movie where uh, David Bowie gets out of a limousine and she's on the red carpet and she tries to talk to David Bowie and he just looks at her and he puts his hands on her lips and he goes, you just shut your mouth. <laughs> and then she just goes crazy. She, she- goes She's like, take me home, do you, Ziggy Stardust. Do you know? Do you know what that's a reference to? I have no idea what that's a reference to. It's to a song he did called "China Girl." <laughs> when okay. and what? That's '80s Bowie. It's yeah. I'm not a huge fan of '80s Bowie. It's okay, fine. But for me personally, I prefer. So Ziggy Stardust is. Once again, you don't really know much about his music, so I don't have to explain. It's like not those super weird stuff, and it's not the super synthy eighty stuff. Okay, it's it's like just a traditional rock and roll. It's a really good rock and roll album. Ziggy Stardust is Ziggy Stardust and the and Spiders the... from Mars. Okay, so that's what we're getting into. <laughs> that's what we're getting into. Okay, uh, it's kind of a concept album. Okay, and, and and Bowie is a wildly interesting person. We'll probably just do a lot of Bowie chat too, because he's a fucking weirdo. Okay, in the best ways. In the best ways. <laughs> yeah, I admittedly know very very little about Bowie. 
there's kind of an era of rock music that I was mainly just consumed with Toto. Yeah, he's not Toto. It's, <laughs> he's not kind of. It's kind of like psychedelic rock. Okay. All right. I might enjoy it. Who knows? Um, all right. So we are getting into Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders, Spiders from, from Mars. Mars next week, folks. That's what we're going to listen to. If you have no idea what that is, like me, maybe you should give it a give it a Google or a YouTube search or a Spotify search. Uh, while you're at Spotify, though, you might as well come over to our place and listen to the latest Get Wrecked episodes. Yeah. Or the old ones. Yeah, listen to some of the old ones. You need to catch up. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to listen to these in order. Go find, go find one about uh, butt plugs or go find another one about a dude getting stabbed in the butt. We didn't do a butt plug episode. I mean, we talked about butt plugs, but that's not the episode title, so don't look for that. That's true. Don't search butt plug, get wrecked. I don't want that to be connected to our name necessarily. But <laughs> <laughs> let's that's going to be our first merch is butt plugs with the get wrecked logo on it. Oh, dude. Put I, us up your butt. I thought of an amazing <laughs> product. We can make millions. Uh, I'm going to bring Alpo into it because he's got a 3D printer. Are you ready for this? We call it D&D. But what we do is we make 3D printed dildos wait for it thor i've got more to tell you because you're just giving me a stare okay these dildos are D themed so you can have an orc dildo you can have a gnome dildo you can have an elf dildo and they're all shapes and sizes right and then they can be fun colors and stuff and then you can even mix the the um the race with the class so you could have an orc berserker dildo that could be like super veiny, or you could have an orc Jesus Christ! Dildo. All right, and then we call it D and D Dungeons and Dildos. I like it, dude. We'd sell so I much. Like it. How many people do you think would buy one? And then just so that you could well, have, just so you know, there is a market already. Not exactly what you're saying. Similar but different. Okay. For dragon dildos a market for dragon dildos you can go online right now and find a dragon dildo and it's not like shaped like a dragon but it's like a dildo with like like dragon scales interesting yeah that's what i said when i saw them <laughs> i didn't know that those existed so yeah we call it um D D dungeons and dildos or maybe dildos and dragons i don't know i haven't thought about it yet uh patent pending trademarks approval all of that stuff. Don't you dare take it. I'll come after you. But I guess you can take it. But I just need to be yeah, on the receipts. Really, do you really want your your name attached to a dildo company? If it makes me millions, I don't care, Thor. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Like, am I going to advertise it? No. Not at all. If somebody asks me. Well, how do you me, plan on selling these dildos if no, you no, don't no, advertise? I'm not going to advertise that I'm connected to it. I want to I see you. As you remember that guy in the '90s who wore like the suit with the dollar bills on it, trying to tell you how <laughs> to get rich, doing that stupid dance. Yeah, but it'd be you, same suit, but instead of dollar signs, they're dildos. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I'd rather be the flex tape guy, <laughs> fixing things with dildos. <laughs> I'm Billy Mays. What do like, we gotta do to get Billy Mays on this? We need a necromancer or something. I was just gonna <laughs> say we would need a necromancer. <laughs> 
Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. Billy Mays. All right. So I think coke I think, up in heaven. Yeah, I think we did a pretty good job of keeping this safe for work up until about ten minutes ago. Yeah. Anyway, next week, David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust, Spiders from Mars. <laughs> That's right. So, until next time, folks. As always, you get wrecked. Stay wrecked. Take me home, Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> <laughs>